Alex and I did not do Christmas with my family. Um, instead, we met up two days before in the driveway of my parents' house to exchange gifts. So they, they gave us like two big bags. We were like, okay. So we go back to the house and on Christmas morning, we Zoom my family to open presents all together. And I opened my gifts and found that my parents had gifted me a bread basket. A basket full of bread? A basket to hold bread. Not even a very wide bread basket, like a basket for dinner rolls. Like a centerpiece at a cheesecake factory? Like, yes. Like, like literally a basket that you would get at the Cheesecake Factory. It's like a wicker, it's like a dark wicker basket for bread. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So I opened this. My brother opens his gifts from my parents, which were an Audible subscription and an Oculus. And <laughs> I received a bread basket. <laughs> So do you think their thought process was like, well, our son likes video games and our daughter likes bread? <laughs> you do like bread, to be fair to them. Uh, yes, I, I like bread. But I thought that was like a pretty universal like. Like I thought if you polled a lot of people, I feel like 95% of them would be like, yeah, I like bread. That's true. I like bread. I don't think I do like bread as much as you like bread. But No, actually, one of the things about you is that you don't really like bread nearly as much as like the average person yes but i think it's more a pickiness about bread like i'll enjoy really good bread occasionally i'll want bread but i just don't think about bread as much like day to day yeah well i don't think about bread that much either <laughs> not as much as this gift suggests yes clearly my parents thought that i deserved a bread basket but here's the thing right i am 32 years old like i was upset about this bread basket situation but on the other hand i was like i'm i'm 32 like this seems stupid right like who the fuck cares but then i would like come back around like circular thinking i would come back around and be like my 24 year old brother got an oculus and an audible subscription does he use audible no, he has, he doesn't listen to audiobooks, in fact. He reads, but he reads. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't listen to audiobooks. He could just give you his Audible subscription. Yeah, so I, I actually did end up texting him because for, like, literally three days, I was like, should I, should I bring this up with my parents? But, like, how do you even bring this up, like, at the age of 32? Well, here's the thing. You don't need better gifts necessarily, but you don't want, like, 20 more bread baskets. No, and it wasn't a money thing. It wasn't, like, even necessarily, like, a gift thing. It was more about how I was so, like... I, I don't understand. Like, it's like they put no thought in what to give me. And they were like, ooh, bread basket, let's call it. Let's call it bread basket. Do you think because of COVID, they haven't seen you in so long and Matt was in the house? So they were like, oh, we have one child. And then they were like, oh, no, we have another one. Better get a second gift. How about this bread basket? I don't think that excuse really flies because, you know, I we used to live in LA and I only saw them once a year. <laughs> Yes, that's true. You did get better presents. So I did tell my brother, and my brother apparently did talk to my parents, because my dad <laughs> texted me and was like, a couple days later, and was like, your mother and I would also like to give you an Audible subscription. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, thanks. So now they know, and um, I think from now on they will consult with my wife. Anyway, welcome to Ramcomathon. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. 
And this week we are talking about Runaway Bride. Which someone suggested on Instagram. Yeah, welcome to 2021. We've already survived an attempted coup. Yes. So here we are talking about Runaway Bride. So far it's not shaping up to be a better year. Um, I, but I was gonna say this was a really odd movie watching experience because I began the movie and was like, I hate this. And then like, I don't know, 20 th- minutes, 30 minutes, an hour in, I was like, maybe I like this movie. And if you just like chopped off the beginning, I would have enjoyed this movie for a movie made in 1999. But I think to fully understand this, you should summarize the plot. Sure. Okay. I would like to say that I had a similar experience to you, except I truly hated the beginning. (laughs) I think your text to me while you were watching emotionally prepared me. And I was like, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be really bad. And my lowered expectations may have helped. Okay. Yeah, fair. Okay. So Richard Gere (laughs) is a columnist for USA Today. And it's like unclear what kind of column he's writing about. It seems like he's just like writing about like aspects of his wife, but mostly he's like maligning women in like horrible sexist ways. It's like he's like a male Carrie Bradshaw, but he doesn't seem to write about his own life based on accusations that people make at him later in the heat of the moment. Anyway, so he's like constantly looking for like things to be writing about. And in his quest for a new column, he meets this guy in the bar who tells him about this woman living in like small town Maryland who has jilted her like grooms like four times. And um, and and she just like leaves them at the altar at the last minute. Richard Gere, like tickled by this, writes a slanderous column about this woman he did basically zero research on journalism ethics what and gets appropriately fired for this because julia roberts uh said you know jilter writes to usa today complaining about this and then his editor also his ex-wife fires him yes and first i'd like to question that usa today has nothing better to do than write about random people in small towns who leave people at altars and i'd also like to mention that whether she's left seven or eight people at the altar as this bar guy alleges or four people or three people as she has in reality. It's a lot of people to leave at the altar, but go on. No, that's true. We'll get to that. So Richard Gere is now smarting over the situation. Julia Roberts feels very good about herself, but uh, Richard Gere's friend, who is also his ex-wife's new partner, husband, basically says, you know, I'm doing some stuff for GQ and you could do a freelance article, you know, about this woman and get like an in-depth profile. So Richard Gere is like, yes, I'm going to get revenge. And then he drives down to Maryland and goes to the small town and basically starts investigating Julia Roberts's life. They know immediately, pretty almost immediately who he is because his fucking face is on the column. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize this. But there's like truly an astonishing amount of misogyny in this film, in the beginning of the film, as Richard Gere is going along, like researching about Julia Roberts. All the men in her life are like happy to let this random reporter in and write about all this stuff. It's wild. Um, She is, of course, preparing for a new wedding to Chris Maloney who is like a local sports coach, track coach, and is like, yes, this is the one. Again. Again, of course, yeah. So he 
tracks down like her previous three grooms, realizes the guy who actually gave him the tip in the first place was her most recently jilted lover, etc, etc. Basically becomes best friends with the entire town and her family. Yes, it's horrible. Um, About midway through the film, Julia Roberts decides that, you know what, she actually is going to give him like a profile. I kind of I, I kind of wasn't paying that close attention, so I can't remember what changed her mind. But she decides to cooperate and they get to know each other. And he discovers actually she's, you know, not so bad. Like she's interesting. She makes all these weird ass lamps that he's like, oh, yeah, you could totally, you know, sell these in New York. And what he basically realizes is that she seems to just take on the personalities and the likes and dislikes of every man that she's been with. And the big tip off to this is that um, she always decides that she likes her eggs however the guy likes his eggs. And of course, Richard Gere starts falling for her, she starts falling for him. The for me the weirdest part of this film <laughs> comes when they're at the wedding rehearsal for her and Chris Maloney and she's like getting like jitters like just walking down the church aisle and Chris Maloney is like, oh, okay, Richard Gere, why don't you stand here and be the groom? I'll go over here and walk her down the aisle. Oh, continue to stand here being the groom. I'm now going to be the pastor. And somehow in the heat of this moment, because they have no filters or no ability to control themselves, <laughs> Julian Roberts and Richard Gere inexplicably start making out and Chris Maloney is like what what is happening and As anyone their what yes and their wedding is obviously called off however minute mere minutes later <laughs> richard gear is like well why don't we just get married tomorrow i mean the church is booked and julia roberts is like you know what that's a great idea i love you so let's just get married tomorrow it's crucial to mention here that I think it's been about two weeks. I like had a whole thing where I was like, wait, how much time does this take place over? Because they honestly, they do a pretty good job of showing the two of them getting to know each other. So it feels like a while, kind of like how to lose a guy, which I'll talk about later. But I, I truly, when they were like, let's just get married, was like, whoa, there's no way it's been more than a couple of weeks. They've just kissed. Like they've just, their mouths have just touched. <laughs> And then they're like, let's get married. No probs. I mean, to be fair, this kind of seems like Julia Roberts thinks like this all the time. But, but what like, is Richard Gere doing? But they're like, yes, I'm all in. So the next day, they're getting married. And all these like reporters have shown up because they're like, oh, the runaway bride is getting married, you know? <sighs> and of course, at the last minute, Julia Roberts gets cold feet and runs off. So Richard Gere tries to chase her, but she like, you know, hops on a FedEx truck and runs off. I was like, was this like FedEx product placement? But okay. There's then this like this sad montage where Richard Gere is just like sadly hunched, like walking around New York. It's like unclear how much time passes. And Julia Roberts is like, I'm going to live life for myself and starts like trying all these eggs. Um, so it's just this Julia Roberts trying eggs, Richard Gere slumping around sadly. And, and then she starts a business. Okay, yeah, she starts selling her lamps in New York. And then Richard Gere comes home and finds that Julia Roberts has, like, broken into his apartment and is there because she's like, I do want to marry you. And she proposes they actually do get married now because now she knows who she is after, like, a whopping, I don't know, three days. I think it's been months. <laughs> and then they, they actually do get married at a small private ceremony. And the literally the whole end is just all these people being excited that they finally got married. Like, truly, I have never seen people this excited, not even at, like, probably their own wedding. <laughs> but for her, they're so happy. <laughs> The town does not seem to have anything better to do than gawk at this woman. Yes, I know. 
Like, it's funny and also a little worrisome. Okay, so I'll say this. Like, the premise and the whole, like, I would say first 45 minutes to an hour of this film are unbearably sexist. Unbearably. Like, it wasn't even, like, just, like, haha, lol, the 90s were so sexist. It was, like, oh, my God. This is, like, egregiously offensive to me. And... After that, the movie is, like, fine. It's, like, fine. But the other thing that we we need to address is that Julia Roberts does jilt many men. (laughs) As offensive as I find the premise, like, like she should stop leaving men at the altar. (laughs) This is a lot of people to leave at the altar. You should stop getting engaged. Yes, like, maybe the common denominator is you, Julia Roberts. So I basically, as I began to watch, was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And I I wrote, like, I see this was really that period of time where men who hated women met women and changed their minds. Yes. But he doesn't change himself, really. Like, as you, like, she kind of, like, finds herself, but, and he's, like, the way that she finds herself because he tells her, like, you don't even know who you are, which is, I think he's meant to also figure stuff out about himself because I think at one point she also calls him lost and he has that moment with his ex-wife, but there's much less than there is of her. Yeah, and he's terrible at the beginning. Like, as I mentioned, like, he really makes a living writing about incredibly sexist stereotypes of women, um, how terrible they are. He labels her a man-eater. Yes, absolutely the worst part of this movie is, like, the first, I don't know if it's 10 minutes or whatever, but, like, what right before the action actually starts, you hear, like, the text of his article, and I under, and I was immediately, like, I see why Alex was like, I may not be able to finish this film. Yeah, it was truly horrendous. But then what I got mad at again later was when he actually gets to the town, and at first he's just sort of ingratiating himself into, like, parts of her life, and he gets himself invited over to her house, to the place where she lives with her father and her fiancé, and they're just like, la la la, like, like she leaves so many men, la la la, this, and I was like, so this guy who wrote this horrible article about your daughter is now just like welcomed into your home? Oh, yes. So basically I was like, this movie was actually pretty well constructed or well done, like just deeply tainted by Richard Gere's incredibly misogynistic initial motivation for coming to this town. Once he got there, I was like, I hate him less if I just forget about that before part. But because, you know, he's doing what he's doing. Like it's not, like it reminds me of How to Lose a Guy or 27 Dresses. But- what is up with everyone she knows? Yes, they are horrible. Um, And they all play into this whole like, oh yeah, she's such a man-eater. Oh yeah, she's so wrong. Like, you know, all this stuff. Which like, again, we've established like, yes, Julia Roberts, maybe like stop leaving men at the altar. But it was unbelievable to me, like even in a film, like I could not see the lulls in the fact that Richard Gere essentially invaded her safe place, which was her house, like a place where she should feel safe being herself. And it's just like sitting there being chummy with her dad and her fiance who are having a laugh at her. And this comes back like he, the movie does not approve of this because then like later what, there's like a pivotal thing where he basically takes the whole town to task for mocking her nonstop, but it's pretty tough, like, until they start becoming friends. 
Yeah, it's it's a long, long, long time in the film before he does like yell at everyone. Oh yeah, and that was also the scene where all the white people in the town are having a luau in Hawaiian dress. Oh, so. it's a different issue. Oh, where to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh cool. But yeah, it's like her dad's making jokes, which is shitty but not surprising. It's weird that her fiance is laughing along. Yeah. Like, all of the other townspeople, men and women, even her, like, seeming best friend, who I mostly enjoyed, like, has a scene where she's basically like, I resent that Julia Roberts flirts with my husband. And there's, like, this whole scene where Joan Cusack, like, her best friend talks to Julia Roberts, and it's basically like, you know, you just flirt with everyone. And Julia Roberts is like, I do? And it's, like, this whole thing where I'm like, I feel like this movie really tried to do a thing where it was like, well, some of it is a town fault, town's fault, but some of it is definitely your fault, Julia Roberts. And I was like, it, it is, but maybe this wasn't the way to go about it. Yeah, I don't, I wanted to know more, though, about, like, why Julia Roberts was the way she was. Not the flirting, which whatever, but, like... Is her inability to commit or her, like, desperate need for validation or to find her identity in another person, like, related to her? I kept thinking we were going to learn something about, like, her mom's death. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. But I don't know. Maybe in, like, I I do feel like if it was, well, first of all, (laughs) this concept would not really fly in current times. No. But... I, I do feel like if it was a more recent film, there would have been more. I just, I just found the excuse of why she was the way she was, like, really flimsy. I, I really feel like what happened was that the writer conceptualized this with the hook and then didn't. Oh, totally. Yeah, wasn't able to actually, like, figure out why it was what it was. Like, it could have been more convincing and instead it was sort of, like, hand waved. Well, I don't think it's couldn't figure out. I think it's, like, people didn't have that expectation. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they basically were just like, oh, this this is just a thing. Like, yeah, she's jilted like three guys at the altar. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, they do sort of talk about her personality situation, but not like why she's like that. And then I was like, is this because of drunk dad? But drunk dad seems to post-date dead mom. And dead mom doesn't seem like it was like in her childhood. Like, that seems more recent. Oh, yeah. And I also was like, what is up with alcoholic dad? Uh, yeah, I was a little stressed out by that because after Richard Gere tells everyone off, Julia Roberts, like, it occurs to her for the first time that the town shouldn't, like, constantly publicly shame her, I guess. And in her home with her dad, she's like, well, I don't like having a drunk dad. And I was like, okay, that may be true, but, like, I think dad needs help. But this was really interesting because, like, an hour and a half into the movie, I was like, do I like this movie now? Like, what's happening? I don't know what to believe. And also, I realized that between Hector Elizondo and Kathleen Marshall, I was like, oh, this is a Gary Marshall movie, which I didn't know going in. Yeah, Alex had seen this when she was younger and was like, oh, I think this is Gary Marshall. And I was like so affronted on behalf of the Princess Diaries. Like, I was like, <laughs> what? Um, but I I think you sort of were like, oh, maybe I liked it by the end. I found like the last half of it like more bearable, but I, I couldn't say I came around to liking the film. It was interesting. I think this is maybe the most I've liked them, certainly together. I don't know about separately. I haven't seen a t- like not counting Chicago, I suppose, because they did so many movies when we were too young to be into the situation and we're not huge Julia Roberts people. But I literally was like, am I finally old enough to be a little attracted to Richard Gere? Maybe. But here's the thing is that I had an inexplicable download of this movie and couldn't figure out if I had seen it before. Like some visuals looked familiar, but I definitely didn't remember the plot. So I, I don't know. But when I texted Steven asking about it, he was like, oh, it's a poor man's pretty woman. And I was like, I do not agree. 
because Pretty Woman was made about 10 years before this when she was like 20-ish and she plays a hooker. And that's much more disturbing to me. Oh, yeah. So after this, I did go onto Wikipedia to read the actual plot summary of Pretty Woman. And I was like, oh, no, that one's worse. Uh, yes, a hundred percent. Like, I don't, that one is considered a cinematic classic, but I watched it at the age of, you know, like 25 or 27 and was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Also, he already has gray hair and she's literally like 20. And here I was like, at least they are equals when he's not being unbelievably condescending. Like, she's like 30-ish here. Yeah, so I truly could not stand him. And But the thing is, is that I was like, I think what they were going for was to make him like kind of more like cad-like at the beginning, but he just came off as being unbelievably sexist. Yes, I was like, honestly, maybe we haven't seen enough from this time period, but I truly was like, was this fine in 1999? Because it does feel like an older version of the sexism in How to Lose a Guy. Yes. Or 27 Dresses, both yeah. of which are less offensive to me. I just didn't find Richard Gere charming, charming enough. enough. Yeah, to like pull off that CAD behavior. But also because he actually, oh, so I remember this, which is that when he first arrives at the town and they first like kind of have a have a confrontation like outside, he's like genuinely aggressive towards her. He says like, oh, you cost me my job and things like that. And the tone of his voice and his body language, I was like, oh, this is an aggressive man. Like this is an aggressive man behavior. And I hated that. And the thing is, is that in those other films, like, you know, How to Lose a Guy and 27 Dresses, I never felt like those men were threatening. Yeah, that's probably true. And Richard Gere has this one moment where he feels threatening. And that's it. Like, you know, in the in the whole film, like, that's it. But in that one moment, I was like, wow, I fucking hate you. Get out of here. It's possible that I missed it because I thought the movie was going to be really bad. So I didn't pay a lot of attention for the first, like, maybe 45 minutes. <laughs> See, what happened was that I paid much more attention in the first 45 minutes. And then halfway through, I, like, really was like, oh, God, fuck this. So, listeners, if you'd like to watch Runaway Bride, we suggest just, like, skipping or not really attending to the first hour yeah because the second hour is not bad yes when i paused though when he was like having his turnaround i was like how much longer of this movie do i have to sit there and i was like another hour jesus (laughs) oh man i thought there were a couple of moments where i was like i don't know if i'm enjoying that this that much but i want to acknowledge this is pretty well made in terms of like the conflict is really direct. They're forced to spend a lot of time together. And if you don't want to punch Richard Gear in the face the entire time, or half the time, they have good chemistry. I would say that by the end, you do actually buy that they know and understand each other as people because they've spent so much time circling that actually core question. You know, like they don't spend a lot of time in the film with pleasantries, with sort of surface level stuff. And by the end, I do feel like, oh, okay, they, they understand each other enough that I buy that they fell in love. Yeah, they walk around together so much that I honestly, honestly thought there's a really like concentrated almost montage but like actually a bunch of scenes where they're just kind of hanging out and I was like oh I could be really into this if I didn't hate Richard Gere so much from 30 minutes ago yes my hatred of Richard Gere's character really tainted the rest (laughs) of the film for me and and I like you I was like oh I may I don't know about love but like I could buy that you would develop feelings for someone under these circumstances like a kind of like camp time situation yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to say, I literally wrote, what? Now they're getting married? And then second later, seconds later, I was like, you are getting what you deserve for offering to marry a known wedding ditcher after two weeks in her company, sir. The best part of this film is probably that like little chunk in the middle where they're like getting to know each other for reals and things are fine up until that insane wedding rehearsal. Like after <laughs> that is lunacy, right? And before that is just like sexism. I gotta be honest, that wedding rehearsal, I was like, I'm not gonna lie, for like ridiculous rom-com garbage, like this is a good gimmick. This is something that you and I would have been very into about 15 years ago. <laughs> I w- yes, but instead I was sitting there going, wait, they couldn't just like control themselves for like one, like, ha- like Chris Maloney is literally right there. Yeah, you're, it's not, well, they have this series of scenes where like, there are a bunch of places alone and at one point, oh, he finds out about her drunk dad and they like, take a walk in the dark. And I was like, I could see a kiss accidentally happening here. This is very weird. I thought they were gonna kiss there. I didn't realize this wedding rehearsal was coming up. I loved her friends standing up at the altar waiting going, so now he's the groom? That was funny to me. Can I take a short detour into the Princess Diaries? Yes, please. Okay, so upon like recognizing several actors and realizing like, oh, this is a Gary Marshall movie. That's why it's like kind of okay, even though I hate this. And... I was Googling and I Googled Princess Diaries and one of the search results was, is Princess Diaries based on a true story? Which I was very charmed by the idea of children Googling that. (laughs) And the other thing is, there's gonna be a third Princess Diaries maybe? Oh, really? About what? I discovered an article from September about Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews and someone else like Skyping, which first of all, that's incredibly charming to me. Yeah, it's very cute. And that the maybe writer of the article or who knows had like reached out to various people like Chris Pine, Mandy Moore, Heather Matarazzo. Like they were all like, we would love to do it. And I was like, wouldn't have thought all of these people would be dying to do a third princess diary. I'm just very curious about what this is going to be about. Is it like Princess Mia approaches middle age? Like (laughs) I have a lot of questions. Based on Chris Pine's level of interest, like I guess they would, he literally said something like, have you been reading my diary? And I was like, that's cute. So I guess they're probably still married. They got married. They got engaged. I can't remember. I don't remember because I don't, I don't like to think about the fact that she got together with Chris Pine (laughs) because I preferred the boyfriend. Oh, the first movie with Michael is so much better. But did you know, as I learned yesterday when Googling this, it was Chris Pine's film debut? I did not know that. That's so cute. Did you also know that it was written by Shonda Rhimes? I also didn't know that? (laughs) Wild. I just thought it was so important to share this with you and our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. This is, this is the <laughs> Runaway Bride slash Princess Diaries podcast. Also, to be fair to the people Googling the true story thing, Real Princess Diaries, is a, the books are apparently partly based on Meg Cabot's real life in the sense of her mom dating her teacher. She's, she did not turn out to be a princess. Of like a small made up European country. Although really Genovia set the stage for, for all the uh, Netflix. Uh, the Netflix MCU, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. Also, I would like to say I love Hector Elizondo. I was like, he hasn't done anything bad, has he? I have no idea. He's darling. I want to say, I think my, we're about to go into likes and dislikes, right? Yeah. 
My absolute favorite thing in this film was probably Richard Gere's friendship with Rita Wilson and Hector Elizondo. That was very cute. I don't know why. Like, maybe it helped make up for his horrific treatment of all other women uh, for me a little bit, but... No, it didn't. It didn't make up for that. Let me just be clear. But I think it was one of the things that made me kind of like him. Yeah, I think that was a very charming friendship if the movie had decided to take a wild turn and be like Richard Gere gets into a poly relationship with his ex-wife and her new husband. I would have been like, I'm so down for this. Yes, no offense to Julia Roberts, who I more or less enjoyed in some of this movie. But like those three, I was like, this is the most delightful trio in this film. Yeah, they I I did I did like them. I was hard pressed though thinking of other things I liked. Yeah, I, it was that uh I literally wrote I was into them being friends if you forget about the horrible premise on which he came here. Yep, yep. Um yeah, some like one of the scenes where they were talking and like actually connecting. I was like, "Oh, this isn't so bad." Yes. Although when they were walking through that darkened field and she was like, "Be careful of snakes." Cause it was the whole like country girl city boy thing. I was like, "Wait, but how do you be careful of snakes in the dark? <laughs> like, like asking, I would ask for I, myself. I, I, I want to know. <laughs> I feel like if I were Richard Gere city boy, I would need more information. Like, do I just, do I just look for, like, I, well, I, that's I can't, why I can't he, see. He does like a high step across the field, but I don't know that that helps. I mean, if you step on a snake, you step on a snake, right? It doesn't matter how high you raise your knees. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you just get away from that spot quicker, like, that's why he was, like, running. Maybe. Um, I, favorite lines. I don't know why this was so funny to me, but in one of the weddings, there's, like, a boy holding on to her train that she accidentally drags up the aisle for a little bit and then later there's a tiny little girl who's like hiding and one of the townspeople goes oh some of the children are afraid of you since you dragged that little boy up the aisle and i don't know why it was funny to me (laughs) um i also thought that julia roberts's friend her her awkward friend was kind of sweet at times oh joan cusack yeah yes and she was trying so hard to be supportive and being like i saw some geese and julia roberts was like you're always seeing geese and she was like i saw eight geese though and i was like i don't know what's happening but i'm glad you're so supportive i would say that like her friends and and like some of the like other women like her grandmother and things like that are the only people who are a little um protective of her when richard Gere shows up all the men are like come on in and like those women are like are like you know yeah which is the attitude you should have if someone is coming for your friend well i don't my impression is that like the vibe of this universe is richard Gere and julia roberts are both incredibly charming and everyone else is a moron (laughs) with the possible exception of rita wilson and hector elizondo (laughs) My other thing was, how is Julia Roberts finding four men to jilt in what seems like a two-road town? <laughs> well, maybe there were more men before. But here's the thing. They're just, it, it really seems like she's dated everyone. Like, she's dated the priest. She's dated the one guy who moved away. She's dated the one weirdo. Like, she's flirted with her friend's husband. I think that's the answer. I was like, Julia Roberts works really fast, though, because, like, by the time she's, like, you know, jilted, like, potential groom number three, she's already, like, moved on and is getting married to Chris Maloney. I guess she must be, like, a... 
they seem so worried about Richard Gere that I feel like it's almost implied she's someone who always has someone waiting in the wings, even though that's not necessarily the intent. Yeah, I mean, the guy, the the groom that he talks to, like the, the, the groom who got jilled, who gave him the tip, I think actually does say that, like, oh, she has something, someone waiting or some, something like that. I think he did allude to that. Oh, maybe. I may have missed it because I was like, I don't think I like this movie. Also, like, why do these men keep keep falling for this? It's like, have you not heard about her previous three grooms, Chris Maloney? Just makes me think of that tweet with, like, you know, the leader of the, like, leopards eating my face party, like, cries, <laughs> I never thought leopards would eat my face. <laughs> anyway, I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, so dislikes. I mean, really, the whole first hour, Richard Gere in New York hated him, hated him. Yes, Richard Gere, basically until he and Julia Roberts start becoming friends. Um, oh, one thing that I disliked in like a normal rom-com bleh way was when he was telling her what kind of man she wants. Oh, yes. I was like, First of all, this always drives me crazy. Second of all, two weeks, how could you possibly know this, even though you apparently know her better than any of her past fiancés, which is appalling. And to be fair, like, it's kind of generic, like, someone who wants to talk to you in the morning, someone you want to walk on the beach with, but, like, it just annoyed me. Yeah, it, that also really, really bothered me. It's like right after he, um, he like stands up for her in front of everyone and she gets mad at him because she's like, I can take care of myself. And then they go outside and they have this whole argument where he's like, I know who you truly are and what you truly want. And I was like, I hate you go die in a pit. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I think my second dislike we already talked about, which was me being like, um, appropriate to take a shot back at your dad, but maybe not at his alcoholism. Oh, oh, so, and of course our... My people of color count was actually zero. Oh, I didn't even bother looking. And then after the fact, when I was writing out my notes, I was like, huh, I wrote POC, LOL. This really actually, I wasn't thinking about it for most of the film. And then during the luau, I was like, oh, so, oh, there are, yep. Okay, so not even a to- one token. Okay, cool. Oh, really? No? Nope, not a single one. But you know what they had? A luau. They sure did. Throw in Rob Schneider, it's a party. But you know, Rob Schneider is very comfortable impersonating a person of color at a luau. So, you know, they really should have called him. (laughs) Was he too young at the time? Um, No, it wasn't that long from that to 51st dates. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, I guess he could have been groom number four and a half or whatever. Okay, score. Okay, so I was fully prepared going into this that I would give it like one out of ten. And I, you know what, I... I maybe I re- now I remember that you know the back half of it wasn't so bad so I'm gonna think I'm gonna go with a two. I wrote like the beginning was a one, the middle was like a six. I I literally like when they started to be friends. I was like, wow, if this was a different movie, it could be like a seven or an eight for me. But maybe like a four. Okay, that's pretty generous. I'm gonna stick with my two because I never <laughs> want to see this film again. <laughs> I was like, I think I might be willing to watch the final, like, 70 minutes of it again. Because Matt had, I think, seen it as a kid. And if I had watched it over the weekend, he was like, oh, I would have watched that with you. And then I was like, we could watch it again. And he was like, no, not on my account. No need. (laughs) So Alex, like, was like, oh, let me watch it with you. And she watched maybe, like, the first, like, half hour with me. And she was like, I'd seen, she was like, I watched this, like, four times with my grandfather. And then, like, half an hour in, she was like, 
you know, this is a lot worse than I recalled and left. <laughs> you should tell her to pick up where she left off and watch the rest because it, it gets better. You know, that's true. It, it does improve. It's like it starts in the pits of hell and then slowly rises to earth. I don't know if that's what that listener had in mind as to, as to her thoughts. <laughs> no, I honestly think I kind of enjoyed the rest of it. It was just hard to move past Richard Gere's garbage. <laughs> anyway, it's nice to be two, three, three decades removed from that now? I would say yes. Our current situation isn't great, but at least yeah, we're not- Yeah, this decade's like, not going great. But at least we're not churning out Runaway Bride. One, one small silver lining. I think we're spoiled now that we do the podcast. When we used to do movies for the blog, we watched so much garbage. Yeah, we really did. At least Richard Gere wasn't pretending to be gay this whole time just so he could get close to his female friend. Oh my god. Anyway, also if anyone's small town really is like this, please write in. We'd love to know. Yeah. All right. Well... Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, watch Runaway Bride at your own peril. And I strongly um, suggest just skipping the first like 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah, so in case we haven't made that clear enough. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Please follow us on our social media uh, listed in the credits. And yeah, stay, stay safe and healthy, guys. Bye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at, at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.